Welcome to Rooted Mindfulness, the health, wellness, and lifestyle podcast created to help you become your healthiest and happiest you. Rooted Mindfulness was founded by Courtney Noel, two-time entrepreneur, educator, speaker, and certified functional nutrition counselor and advanced functional nutrition practitioner in training. Courtney teaches women how to feel in control of their body by identifying and healing the root cause of their mental, physical, and emotional symptoms through nutrition, lifestyle, and behavioral change interventions. Tune in as Courtney shares her raw, real, and unedited story and lessons learned that ultimately paved way to her stepping into her greatest purpose and passion, encouraging, motivating, and inspiring through nutritional education and mental health advocacy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the first official episode of Rooted Mindfulness Podcast, where we have completely rebranded. And today I am very excited because we are going to be bringing on our first ever guest to the podcast. So this beautiful human and I have connected through the power of social media. So you all know that I always say never, never doubt the power of social media. And not only has she been a ray of light in my life so far in the short amount of time that we've known each other, but she's also a mental health advocate and educator and a recently published writer. So those of you who know that I like writing, it is always awesome to be inspired by fellow writers, especially on social media. She has quite the following and works hard to destigmatize mental health on and off social media using her personal and professional experiences to help others. And at the end of the podcast, we'll share a little bit more about how to connect with her, how to find her on the gram, and also how to obviously read her work. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the lovely Tatiana Frost. And we are going to talk today all about family dysfunction, mental health, and bipolar disorder. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really glad that we were able to make this work and especially having you as our first ever guest on the podcast to talk about mental health. Um, I just appreciate your time and being here. And with that being said, let's dive in. So can you tell everyone a little bit more about you and your story? Yeah, so I am diagnosed with bipolar disorder and also borderline personality disorder. And For those who don't know, bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. And so what that means is I experience high highs, which are called mania, and I experience very low lows, which are called depression. And I fluctuate between the two. And I actually just made a post about this, how my moods and my emotions are not the same and they're very different experiences. My moods are very much correlated with my bipolar disorder. They they last a long time, they're very dramatic. And then my emotions definitely are more correlated with my borderline personality disorder. And what borderline is, is it's a scary word for it, but what it means is just emotional dysregulation. It's just having a hard time regulating your emotions. And so when I say my moods and emotions are two different things, my emotions are the daily ups and downs that I go through. They happen very quickly and they're very disproportional to events, but they go away in a jiffy but they're very dramatic at the same time. And so I was diagnosed bipolar first after my first hospitalization. Um, And then I was very much more recently diagnosed with borderline. And so I've been navigating both of those things. Um, But before I was diagnosed, I definitely had a lot of issues with getting support from my family in terms of finding treatment. Um, Yeah, it's a tough thing to talk about, you know? 
it's it's hard to say it in a concise way that like is understandable but essentially what happened is I reached out for help and I was I felt I was rejected and I felt rejected but I was rejected and it's a sucky truth but it's true and so I learned that I guess I just have to depend on myself and so that's what I did and so I got treatment through you know, after reaching out to my family and not getting the support that I needed, I got support from my school. And then eventually I knew I wasn't getting enough mental health support or resources. I was still unmedicated and I was only seeing a therapist and things just were not getting better. Um, and so I made the choice to drive myself to the ER and admit myself to the hospital because I knew that nobody was going to do it for me. And I also knew that I don't, I didn't think that other people knew that I was having that hard of a time either. And so if I didn't advocate for myself, who was going to? That's very powerful. I feel like to make that decision and be so self-aware that, Hey, like something's up and I know it's up and you know, I have to do something about it because a lot of people that I've spoken with myself included have gone through a hospitalization. Some people have gone through multiple hospitalizations and I think the biggest thing that people realize is once mental health is brought to the surface, it really kind of shows who believes in the stigma and who doesn't. And I think that's what's really difficult, especially with bipolar disorder, um, because it's kind of been one of those hit or miss topics that people either feel like, oh, yeah, OK, or they are very judgmental about it. Um, and more and more, it just leads to lack of um, you know, education, which is why I know you are so passionate about educating. I know a lot of the bipolar community feel the same way, uh, myself included. I'm still pretty new to my diagnosis, I would say, for about three years um, since my first hospitalization. And it's definitely something that's tricky to navigate. And so I think that if you're comfortable with it, it'd be really powerful to talk about the family dynamic and dysfunction when it comes to mental health. I know a lot of people have been asking how to navigate this. So if you're comfortable, I think that this would be a great place to start off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so my parents have always had, especially in the past, um, have kind of had this viewpoint of, well, we didn't talk about it in our day. And so we still don't. And kind of this uh, uh, struggle to move forward and evolve past what they were taught. Um, and so to be honest, when I did reach out for help to my mom, um, I had basically told her, Hey, I went and saw someone in secret and they told me I should be on meds and I should see a therapist and I'm scared. And this is, you know, how I'm feeling. And I really feel like I need help. And her response was, you're just lonely. You just have low iron, essentially like you're fine. And my mom and I already kind of didn't have a great relationship. I think part of it was we're both super stubborn and we're similar in that way. And so we butt heads, especially when we live together. And because we had already had a rocky relationship, that made me feel like, oh, I can't rely on them for help. I can't go to them. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand. They're not going to validify what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. And so when that dynamic is set up that way, having a positive relationship with your parents is very difficult. Um, I was a sneaky kid. I lied a lot, but I also, but at the same coin, I also 
always wanted to get my way. And so if the answer was no, I just did it anyways. Um, and so I think my mistakes and their mistakes made it difficult to have a positive relationship. Um, and even now as like I've grown up and my mom has changed and I've changed and matured and, you know, there have been boundaries set, which was a really tough obstacle to go over. Um, things have gotten better. And so I, I, but I was really scared to let go of them in the first place. So, you know, because you're taught that family is everything and, you know, no matter what family is so important. And sometimes that's not true. Sometimes that's not the case. If family is the people who are hurting you, it's okay to distance yourself. Family is not always everything. And that's tough to learn when you've grown up in a really family oriented group of people. Yeah. I think that's, again, something that's very powerful to be able to speak to is being able to kind of set those boundaries and realize like, yes, they're your family, but at the end of the day, if you don't feel supported, you're able to make that decision of how close that relationship remains, but almost like, what are you going to share and what aren't you going to share? Um, I think pretty much everyone I've ever met who has a mental health diagnosis has been in that same situation of, you know, when it comes to family, are they going to be supportive? Are they going to, you know, tell me to not talk about it? Is it something where mental health is still so taboo that, you know, they're embarrassed that their child or someone related to them has this mental illness, because then it also goes back to, oh, is someone else have it that we just don't know about? Um, And that's kind of where I think everything snowballs to, oh, well, I want to openly talk about this, or I want to find support. And then others are kind of not supportive of you finding support. And they're certainly not going to be supportive in the way that you need either. And I think that's just what makes it so complex. Um, and yeah, I mean, finding the right support system is everything. And so you were saying like at the time and even now still working with the therapist and just really being able to like build that supportive community. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I see a therapist, um, every week. He's awesome. I'm very grateful to have access to therapy and to be able to, you know, get treatment that way. Um, and I have a very, I have a very supportive community. It's not, you know, I don't think it's a traditional supportive community. You know, my, my parents are not my go-to people, unfortunately, even my brother, I'm really not that close with. And so my go-to people, I'm very close with my aunt. I'm very close to my cousin and I have really great friends. And so, you know, my support system, your support system doesn't have to be who other people think it should be. I, I think your support system is whoever you feel safe with, no matter what other people think and no matter how other people feel around those people. Um, and I'm blessed to have them because they've really helped me through difficult times. During COVID, I had moved back from college into my parents' house and things just didn't go well between my mom and I living together. I think it was a combination of me going from having the independence I finally craved and everything I wanted to being stuck back in the place, feeling like a kid again. And so we butted heads a lot and I ended up making a pretty dramatic move that I didn't know would be as dramatic as it turned out to be. I ended up moving in with my aunt who is my mom's sister, but they don't have the best relationship. And so I think it was kind of, I think my mom felt a bit of a sting that it was her specifically. Um, And it was only because we were very similar and we had a lot in common and we became very close and she became a safe person for me. 
And while I was living with them, I had basically said to my parents, like, hey, I, I care about this relationship, but I can't continue maintaining it this way, you know? Um, and I had asked them, like, oh, I really need us to go to family therapy. I really need us to talk about what's going on. And I need to tell you guys how I'm feeling, but I need a safe space to do it. Um, and that it was such an uphill battle with them because they'd had, they have all this stigma and they had all the stigma, despite the fact that I've been in therapy basically my whole life. My brother's been to therapy. I've been hospitalized for uh, psychiatric issues twice. My mom's aunt is a therapist. My mom's mom went to therapy. My mom, I think, has maybe gone to therapy when she was younger. And yet she's surrounded by all of this that can tell her that therapy can work and be a good thing. And, you know, there doesn't have to be shame around it. And yet she they both held on to it so, so, so tightly. And it was heartbreaking because it made me feel like I had to be the parent and I had to maintain the relationship, which shouldn't have been my job. But that's sometimes how it is. Yeah. And I think that's what's so like difficult in general is when you really want to be able to connect with those immediate people and then you find people that aren't within that immediate connection, but because they are still considered family, it does kind of sting, right? Like you said, yeah. you said, you know, maybe there was a little bit of uncomfortability of, oh, is, is that what's going on? But I just think that again, like being able to have a therapist, love my therapist too. I meet with her weekly, um, you know, having our communities, which I definitely want to talk more about you and your community and everything that you're doing with that. Um, but also just, again, whatever that support system looks like having a support system is everything because there are a lot of people who just don't, they don't have the support. They don't have those friendships. They don't have those relationships. Um, you know, economical stuff is a huge thing. Um, you know, depending on where people live, the resources that are there, it just puts a lot of people in a tough situation where it's like, they want to get the help and they want to be able to have that community, but they just don't. So that's why I think what, you do on social media and what a lot of other people are trying to build, especially within mental health, but even more so with bipolar, um, to give people an outlet to whether they are messaging us, whether they are just consuming our content, whether they are finding other accounts to follow. I think that the power, like I said earlier, of social media is so undermined in feeling comfortable with people that you've never met, feeling comfortable with complete strangers. And to be honest, <laughs> even though it's social media and anyone can see it, I feel way more comfortable hopping on my podcast or just randomly typing out how I'm feeling and how I'm thinking on social media. And it's like, how can we feel so comfortable and feel heard, seen, valued, and appreciated by posting stuff into the oblivion versus, you know, with those personal relationships. So tell me a little bit more how you kind of went from trying to find that support that you needed to building the community that you've built today. Oh my God. I resonated so much with a lot that you were saying. Um, yeah, I, it's so, it's funny, like you were saying, I do not talk about any of this in real life. Um, if it is not on the internet, I, it doesn't really come out of my mouth, to be completely honest with you. And I start. I first started talking about mental health about probably like eight months after I was diagnosed. I, when I was diagnosed, I was really struggling with 
do I tell people and face the judgment that could possibly happen and feel like crap and like, oh, do I want that? You know, that weight of just like feeling, even if they're not judging you, just feeling the anxiety of what if they are and you just don't know. <laughs> um, and then also feeling like, oh my, if you don't say anything, you're just adding to the problem. You're not making anything better. You're just giving into the stigma and the judgment. And now you're just a bystander instead of a leader. And I didn't want to be a bystander because I am a believer in standing up for what you believe in. And I think that, I think that more people should. And I think that if you're brave enough to, then be a voice for others. Um, and so I battled with that and eventually landed on essentially don't be a pussy and just do the right thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's, uh, you know, that's, I was like, okay, you're fine. Just fucking do it. And so Nike, just do it. Um, and so I <clears throat> was in art therapy and I was complaining to my art therapist as we were like making these pots or whatever. I was saying, you know, I really wish there was a platform near where I lived, where I could speak out about what I believe in and share my story. And she said, there is. And I said, give me all of their information. And so she gave me his personal email, which was great because I've emailed his professional one and I don't think I've gotten as much of a response. And so thank gosh for my art therapist. And I reached out to him and he runs this organization where um, you basically express your mental health or your struggles through art. And the owner of it has OCD. And so I reached out to them. They told me their story. I shared mine. And they said that I could speak at their event. And I spoke in front of like 400 people. And I told my entire gist. And it was so freaking incredible. Because uh, for the first time, I was able to talk about something very vulnerable and feel so safe doing it. Um, and so after that experience, I started my Instagram account a few years later during COVID and I kind of originally did it because I was really struggling and I felt like I needed an outlet and I needed a purpose. And so I started it that way and it just kept growing and I just continued to do it and enjoy it. And people shared their stories with me and I felt so inspired and it was just incredibly powerful to have a space that I'd never had because when I was diagnosed, and still to this day, I know probably less than a handful of people with bipolar disorder. And so now that I have this entire community of people that are supporting me and can talk about their issues openly, it is so freaking cool because I didn't have that when I was first diagnosed. And it feels incredible to be able to host that space for other people who need it. Yeah, I mean, dead on there with the whole like being able to speak and you know, connect with those people. I find that surprisingly, and maybe it's not surprising, but maybe people think it is more people with mental health disorders feel way more comfortable actually speaking about what's going on, um, out loud. And I always thought that was really interesting because some people are like, Oh, I'm afraid of public speaking. But then those of us who actually have something weighing on our heart, we're like, Nope, if you're willing to listen, like buckle up, here we go. And the fact that you were able to, you know, get more involved in the community um, as it is, and then start creating a community simply by just being like, you know what, end the stigma. I don't want to be part of the silent majority or however you want to go about it. I just think that's awesome. And the fact that people feel comfortable enough coming to you and having these conversations is everything because that's, you know, what we want, right? As educators, we want to be that person that people feel comfortable reaching out to. We want to be that voice of reason when they don't 
feel like they have any hope to hang on to. Um, and I think that kind of is a great segue to talk about more of like you started writing. It's not just, you know, a platform, it's education. So tell me a little bit more about how the writing started and more about your book. Yeah. So something I actually, when I was in college, I took this class and the entire class was essentially about the psychology and neuroscience of the power of writing. Um, and the class was very interesting. We read a lot of studies, we created projects to test our theories and whatnot. But the gist of the class was essentially when you write about your experiences and your feelings and your goals and your dreams and what you're grateful for, it can have a massive impact on your mental health and not only your mental health, but just your trajectory in life. If you consistently write about what your goals are and what you plan to do about them, and then you put those into actions, it's so motivating. It'll make it happen. And I have kept a diary of my entire life. Um, since I, I think my earliest century is probably around five, like kindergarten age. And it has helped me um, understand myself in a very unique and powerful way to be able to not only the act of writing down whatever I'm experiencing and feeling, but being able to look back on that and see the growth and see the transformation. And so what my book is, is every, oh, not every week, I'm not a consistent poster and I'm sorry, but <laughs> every now and then I post these bipolar thoughts prompts or these bipolar thoughts on Instagram and they're essentially things that I've thought about in regards to having a mental illness and how it makes me feel and how it makes me view myself and when I started posting them people really responded well to them and found them really relatable and easy to connect with and I was like a few months ago I was in the car with my boyfriend and we were talking about my Instagram page and what's working and, you know, what's not working. And I was telling him that the bipolar thoughts do really well. And he was like, what if it was more than that? What if it wasn't on the internet and people could interact with it at home in some way? And so we kind of together came up with this idea to put the bipolar thoughts in a journal format and have them each correspond with a prompt that'll Help you just understand yourself better and so some of the some of the prompts are difficult to talk about to be honest and so that's what I enjoy about the journal is that if you're not the type of person that wants to have these intimate conversations with another human being you can have them by yourself at home which I prefer because I'm very introverted and you know I'd rather do that <laughs> and so <clears throat> And those little lessons, you can create a care plan in the book, which I find really helpful. It's kind of like a, when I'm struggling, this is what I can do. Um, and there are other little exercises of reframing mindsets, because that's something that I have practiced a lot and that has been really powerful for me. And so there's just, there's just so much. And I'm, and I'm really proud of it. And I know that the people who have bought it have really enjoyed it. And that makes me feel really good because it's nice to be able to take actionable steps to help people, you know, even if they're just people on the internet that I've never met, but are still so important to me, which is crazy. That's the craziest thing is that I have interacted with people I would never have before and have made such beautiful connections with so many of them. And I am extremely grateful to the platform for that because what an incredible way to bring people together, you know? Yeah, especially over a common cause really is yeah. just amazing. And 
that's what's, I don't know. Some days I'm just like, wow, who would have thought, you know, to be connected, like you said, with so many different people. And yes, you have so much to be proud of with your journal, with your book and just bringing them full circle. So people have access to it. Um, and I do find that a lot of people with mental illness do really have that calling to write and put something together. Mm -hmm. And that was put on my heart several years ago. And the route that I'm taking is that it's not fully written because I'm still living in quite a bit of it. Um, yeah. So just like producing journals and prompts and stuff like that has just been really rewarding to give people something. Um, I completely applaud you for that because it's, it's a really, really big deal to be able to make an impact in that way. Um, and I love Thank that your you. boyfriend was in on it. I love the collaboration. <laughs> I love that you have that kind of support. Um, oh yeah. He's the best. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good, good, good. Um, and I, I don't even remember, there were so many different things that you had touched on during that, that I think is just really great for, um, people to just, again, like have that resource, have that outlet and building the social media page and just letting it be what it is. And I think that more than anything, the mental health community understands the not posting all the time. Like, trust me, <laughs> yeah. I don't like posting all the time. I try to be more oh. consistent with the podcast page just because it is like a daily quote. I had been doing like a quote and then like making a reel of me just like giving little like tidbits of encouragement. And then I was like, Oh God, that becomes kind of difficult to keep up with when you're traveling or when you're sick. So it was yeah. like back to just that. But even on my personal page, people know, like if I'm not feeling well, or I'm having a bad mental health day or something's off, cause I'm not posting not even in my stories, even if I don't, I don't post in my feed all the time. And people are like, uh Oh, and then I get all these people checking in. I'm like, Oh my God, it's like, don't worry about me. Like, it's fine. Like you're not wrong, but like, don't worry. So it's just crazy when you build that community, all of a sudden, like, again, these people you would have never met, or you've never talked to all of a sudden are in your DMS checking on you or asking for advice or, you know, kind of, you know, using you as a liaison to connect with other people. And I just think that it's just really awesome. And you had touched on um, a little bit of like some of the things that have worked for you in the past. And I, you know, relate to a lot of that because I have journals from years past and tons of, I'm always writing and had always been writing. So aside from writing, what are some things over the years, um, even initially when you were going, you know, post-hospital, um, in between all of that stuff, what are some things that are good outlets for you that have really helped you uh, like you said, separate moods from emotions and just really trying to hone in on how can you make yourself feel more present and just really feel more comfortable with what's going on. So the first thing that came to mind is I grew up doing a lot of acting in theater. I'm a theater kid. If you couldn't tell. That's um, awesome. I love it. Oh, thank you. I <laughs> disclaimer, I think theater people are the best people in the world. Um, <clears throat> but I'm biased. So I grew up doing theater and I am so extremely grateful for that because theater is the reason that I understand myself. Um, when I took, I took classes for years and I was always taught that your body is your instrument. And so in that respect, we spent a lot of time fine tuning our bodies and like, we would sit there and practice these mindfulness things. I remember being in class for, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, and probably two thirds of the time we were holding a fake mug, but the whole exercise was 
feel the mug that's not in your hands and what is it like and just practicing these moments of being present and being in your mind and in your body and so doing theater and being able to express all this range of emotion in a very creative way is like pretty much 100% the reason that I am self-aware and able to make self-improvements because I'm in touch with my body and I'm in touch with my mind and my feelings because when you act you have to be it's all about you know finding the feeling and you know bringing that out and so but I'm also very emotional that's the bipolar in me um <laughs> and so you know I really felt like my best outlet was just doing creative things I did a lot of theater I play guitar I love music I love painting um really anything creative I even there was a time when I was in high school where I got really into computer science and programming became this really unique way for me to express myself and be creative um and so I have found so many little outlets throughout the years where I can let my imagination and my big feelings out in productive ways but also very I found also very unproductive ways to do the same exact thing. And so if I could testify to one, do the good thing, do the productive thing. Um, <clears throat> but I have many outlets and I definitely think the reason I can be who I am today is because I did theater and because I practiced inside of myself for so, 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 so long that it's just second nature now. That's awesome. I really feel like, again, being in tune with yourself is everything. And especially from, you know, a younger age and letting that kind of adapt and change as you grow. Um, and as you know, life goes on and lessons to be learned. So oh, I just love this conversation. <laughs> it's just so awesome to obviously be able to hear others' perspectives and um, just understanding, you know, how everything connects. And that's really what I aim to do through education. Um, it's really, again, like the brain and the body and just being present and being aware of how you feel, um, what can attribute to you feeling that way? How can you express yourself? What are the, like you said, the productive outlets? What are the not so much productive outlets? And when you do feel a certain way, how can you just go ahead and push through that? But in a way that, you know, there are some ways that are setbacks more than anything. And there's, again, those productive ways that move you forward. So I really do love that view. Um and yeah, so to kind of wrap things up before we, you know, tell everyone where to find you, what would you say, and this is always a hard question, so take your time with it. If there was one piece of advice of everything you've learned, of all the growth that you've done over the years, if there is one piece of advice you could give to someone who is either newly diagnosed or is struggling because they don't have that sense of community, what would that advice be? The advice would probably be something advice that I was given in my early diagnosed days that I thought was really annoying and bullshit and didn't want to accept and so I at first was like fuck that nobody knows what they're talking about they're all crazy and now years later I can say that I they were totally right my advice is very simple just just trust the process just oh yeah trust there's the process. that <laughs> <laughs> just, which is so I'm a control freak I'm a complete control freak me too my first psychiatry appointment he was like okay 
this is the deal. And I said, is there like an exam I can take? Is, can I just do a worksheet? Can I get an A in this? And he said to trust the process. And I said, F you. <laughs> um, so it sounds super obnoxious and it sounds fucking annoying. And it sounds like a non-answer answer because it is, but it's true. So I hear you just because holy hell if there have not been several moments of my life where I literally almost had a meltdown when people told me to trust the process and now I hate telling people to trust the process because I remember how much of a trigger that was to me so hearing you say that I'm like oh yeah I've told a lot of people to f off I've told a lot of people that's bullshit I've told a lot of people that they just don't understand because they're not living it yep um and I think that even though it sucks to hear that it is really important, especially in the early days or even before you have a formal diagnosis, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you have the right doctors, maybe things will be different from how it was for me. Um, which that's a story for a different day, but it should take a little bit of time. It should take some care from your doctors. It will take trial and error and they will come up with the best care plan for you. Obviously advocate for yourself. And that's where the trusting the process comes in of yeah. most of the time said physician is going to want what's best for you. But in finding what's best for you is you have to speak up because if you don't, you can end up like me who really didn't understand the process at all. <laughs> so by me trusting the process and not really speaking, um, speaking up leads to a lot of complications and a lot of yeah. things down the road that just make it, those emotions come to front. Yeah. There's so much anger. There's so much frustration. So just really being able to trust the process in the fact that there is a system in place. And while it would be nice to rush the process and get to where you want to be, knowing that there is hoops to jump through, but it will get you hopefully to that right diagnosis. It will hopefully get you to the right medication. If that's the best step for you, hopefully it will get you to the right therapist or the right community or the right form of healing because, you know, everyone is uniquely different. So everyone's care path is going to look completely different. Yeah. But regardless of what that path looks like, it is trusting the process of you will find what works for you. But along that way, you're probably going to find a lot of things that don't work for you and that's okay. Yeah. And like, in terms of advocating for yourself, that is such a big part of the process. But you can only advocate for yourself if you're educated. And something that everybody should do after they're given a diagnosis of literally anything in the entire world is to learn about it as much as you can educate yourself. Because that more educated you are, the more you'll understand yourself, the more you'll be able to advocate for yourself to get the right treatment and the better you're going to feel. So advocate for yourself, trust the process and educate yourself. You have to do those things because those will make such a difference. Yes. Ah, so powerful. And I love that. But yeah, the more educated you are, yes, the easier it'll be to advocate for yourself. Question things. I think that's something I talk about all the time is like, ask why, and don't be afraid to like ask why when someone says this is what it is, or we're going to do this because you shouldn't just be told what you're going to do. You should be told why, and there should be handholding. And when you don't feel like that is happening, um, you know, obviously there's different circumstances of being able to get help or affording to get help or insurance, or that's just stuff that drives me crazy altogether. But being able to be at that level where you can ask why, 
don't be afraid to. And once you start asking why, as soon as you realize that things really aren't fitting together, or maybe they can't give a confident answer, that's where you need to dive in. That's where you really need to start, you know, studying up, or you need to question stuff, or you need to research. Um, because the more, you know, the better things are going to move in your favor versus I was in a situation where I was kind of familiar with mental health in general. Um, I was not familiar with bipolar disorder and unfortunately I trusted the process, but was in the wrong hands. So because I didn't know what I didn't know, um, because I was just at this debilitating level of depression that I could hardly function as soon as the ball got rolling, the ball got rolling too fast. There wasn't enough of the handholding of let's get the background and all of that before it just turned into a, oh, hey, here's some medication. Good luck. And the thing is, is it's not easy to diagnose. Maybe sometimes it's easier than others. It depends on the person. But I firmly believe that because of my past of being diagnosed the wrong thing in the first appointment and given medication that ended up (laughs) contributing to my hospitalization, among other things that had happened, had I known more prior to that appointment, or had I asked why that psychiatrist was doing things in that way, perhaps the last three years wouldn't have looked how they did. And granted, there's things that you can't go back and change. And I talk about that with my therapist a lot, because it has been one trauma after another, unfortunately, on my journey. But just because that's my experience doesn't mean that's going to be someone else's. So yes, advocate, educate, and, you know, trust the process as much as you can. But if you feel unsafe, at all, or you feel that you have to question what's going on around you in your care plan, you are not stuck. I know it might feel like you are, but you do have power in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. You, And the worst part is though, is that you could know that. And if you don't feel that it doesn't even matter. That's, I, I personally struggle with the, I know what's right, but I don't feel that way. So it, it cancels it out. Um, but yeah, just, you should always be your first priority. You really should. No matter how much you love somebody else, you should always prioritize yourself first. You can't pour from an empty cup and all of that good stuff. It's all true. It sounds annoying. It's all true. You know, I think that when I was diagnosed, I had spent so much time hyper fixated on the fear of the diagnosis that I'd learned a lot about it. But when I was diagnosed with borderline, I actually was very undereducated, even though I thought I understood it. And so, you know, I'm grateful to have the platform where I can educate people because something that I've experienced that I don't know if you have, but I've, I've experienced the, um, uh, when someone shows their ignorance and so an example of this is I met a new friend and I texted and I was like hey essentially feeling safe and shared my diagnosis and the response back was you know I'm really moody too and blah blah and I instantly was just like oh man you blew it what a bummer you know and so part of the reason I care so much about educating about it is because the more we educate and the more people can understand it past what Hollywood has shown us the better off we all are and the more compassionate and caring and understanding we can all be of everybody else. Because I think that's the end goal for me is I just want people to care about other people enough to not be assholes. That's all. And if that means that you're just indifferent towards everyone, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because it takes a lot 
a lot less energy to not care versus to be a dick. And all I want is for everybody to just be happy and educated so that we can be kind to other people and the world can be a better place. That was so cheesy, but oh well. No, I would say that is like the ultimate ending. I think that you just brought yeah. it home. So <laughs> with that being said, talk about a power close, maybe impromptu, but this is what I love about you know, podcasting and connecting with others is this is really truly meant to be a platform for, again, people to just talk and share their story and let that conversation go wherever it goes, which is why like, as much as I like to be in control and have a plan when it comes to conversation, I don't believe in plans. So I think that we said and talked about exactly what people need to hear today. And when it goes out, I know that it's going to touch a lot of lives. So in order for it to touch all of the lives, tell us where we can find you. You can find me on Instagram at having bipolar. That's where you can find me. And you can um, DM me and say hi if you want to. My DMs are always open. I always say that, but it's true. You can always say hi to me. I love it. I love oh, I love that. Yeah. So everyone go <laughs> check out her page. She has a great community going great purpose, the education. Again, um, I will be linking her book in the show notes. So if you are listening, um, whether you are, you know, checking it out on YouTube, whether you're checking it out on whatever podcast platform that you get your podcast, be sure to click show notes. Um, her Instagram will be linked as well, but yeah, thank you so, so much for being willing to come on for sharing your story and really for obviously just being you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we'll be talking soon. Everyone go check her out. And yeah, thanks for listening to the first official podcast (laughs) with a guest. So we'll talk to y'all later and peace out. Hey, everybody, it's Courtney. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Rooted Mindfulness Podcast. As a reminder, you can find us on Instagram at rooted.mindfulness. Or you can follow my personal page at The Mindfulness Nutritionist. Be sure to stick around for future episodes and check out the links on here, whether you're looking for more education on TikTok, on YouTube, or looking to join my private Facebook community. Thanks again for being here, and we'll see you next time.